Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3 cast, where we always say fuck Batman, no matter what's going on in the world. I am Brian, with me as always are Zach and Vince, and we are going to talk about DC Comics, but first we have to talk about the insanely packed San Diego Comic Con 2018. DC made a, I mean, I, I don't know if I can remember a con that had this many announcements that wasn't like the Rebirth launch or something like that, but... DC laid out so much stuff. We have we have a ton to talk about. I apologize in advance with the books this week get the short shrift because we're talking about con, uh, the con stuff so much, but that's the way it goes sometimes. Um, but first, we're going to talk about DC Universe, the DC streaming digital comics, etc. platform that is set to launch this fall. At San Diego, they opened up pre-sales for uh, accounts. They also released... Uh, they, they, they let some members of the press, uh, not us, sadly, take a look at the beta version of the app, and they set the price point, and they released... The That's because we're alphas, so... Exactly, yes. Haha. And uh, and they announced the first trailer for Titans, the, uh, the first show to debut, which will debut this fall when the subscription service launches. So, before we get to Titans... Uh, seven ninety nine a month, or seventy five dollars for the year. If the you know if the advertising is true and there are thousands of comics, there are a number of older DC media properties like the the uh, Christopher Reeve Superman films, the Tim Burton Batman films. We know they have the first couple seasons of Batman the Animated Series. We know that they have the Linda Carter Wonder Woman show. Um, Take that all together with the four or five new series that will launch, and what do we think of what DC Universe is going to offer? <laughs> Zach, you, you I think sound... I think it's a hard sell for anybody other than like a hardcore DC person, like someone who eats and sleeps and breathes and lives DC. Do you think it's a um, harder sell than Marvel Universes? In mean, the Marvel yeah. Universes, rather? I think so, yeah. Really? See, I, that's where I think I disagree. No, I, I think Marvel Unlimited is great because it's just... It, it's literally... It's basically everything. You can ba- essentially read like more Marvel comics than you could ever read in a lifetime. I, I, I assume. I don't know. See, and <laughs> that's hard and to I, quantify. I, I think for casuals, the difference isn't going to matter to them. I think I think if we're talking about does this reach the casual, I think it accomplishes the same or better than the Marvel thing because does the does the does the average normie care that they can get, um, you know, some Thor mini mystery two seventy two right or. Are they saying, or you know, will the average normie say, "Well, these comics are all curated for me, and on average, they're going to be what DC thinks is the highest quality that they have to offer, and there's going to be more than I could ever read anyway." You know. See, I, I guess I think more like both of these things. Maybe, maybe this is just my comic-centric brain, 
but I even the like original television content I feel like is not I feel like that is only for the hardcore of the hardcore. Mm. I, I don't feel like many normies are gonna like seek that out per se. See, and I, I think, not I enough think to this... like subscribe just to get access to it. Maybe. I think most people would maybe pirate it <laughs> yeah. if they can somehow. You know, you might be right, but people do love that CW stuff, and there's a legion of I don't know I don't know if it's a lot I don't know how, I don't know what the numbers are. Certainly not enough to not make Justice League one of the biggest disappointments, you know, that a superhero movie has been um, in the last. See, several maybe years, but. maybe I would I would I don't I guess I don't really know how many people watch those shows still, but and again, this is probably my bias creeping in, but I would consider the people who follow those shows religiously are the hardcore of the hardcore. See, I don't know, and and this is kind of where where I tend to decide a little bit more with Vince here. I feel like if. If somebody out there wants to get more into comics, let's say, are you going to offer them, well, you know, we can give you this Marvel Unlimited, which has pretty much all the Marvel comics ever, but, I mean, I don't know about you guys, I find the Marvel Unlimited interface terrible to use. I find it really not intuitive whatsoever. Um, That's somewhat besides the point. You know, Mm -hmm. or this DC service where you're going to get, you know, thousands of comics... And as Vince said, I think that pretty much every comic that a normie wants to read will be available to him or her on this service. I think they're going to have all the big events, all the debut issues, that sort of stuff. Plus, you get to watch all these older films and TV shows. Plus, there's, I think the big thing that people are not talking about enough is how crazy the collector circuit is out there in terms of merch, like um, statues and stuff like that. And this is going to have first, uh, essentially, people who subscribe to this are going to have the first uh, availability for new statues and t-shirts and stuff like that. And I think there are enough crazy collectors that will pay an $8 premium a month to get those things. And so I think that's going to be a a big draw as well. But I, I just think if you take all that together, it's going to be, that's going to be more appealing to that casual comic fan than all of Marvel. Especially because... It seems like DC is going to be, like, I know if you signed up before the end of, I think it's this coming week, you get a shot to win tickets to the Aquaman premiere, and I feel like they're going to be incorporating more of their film and TV stuff into this service than Marvel does to theirs, and I think, again, if we're talking about this, like, this coveted new reader, this this converting somebody from being a casual fan into a hardcore fan, I think the DC app offers more options to do that. Marvel does offer a lot of those collectors type things as well, though. Um, yeah, I got those emails. And <laughs> well, like they they have like a almost kind of like a loot box type thing. It seems like if you buy like a certain tier. Yeah. Um, but I'm also like kind of just gauging this on the reaction of my like peers and friends who are more casual, who are or have been users of Marvel Unlimited. And kind of gauging their reaction to the DC universe, which has been like a mix of like um, like apathetic to tepid. Yeah. So I mean, it's a small yeah. it's a small sample size, but I also like I'm not, uh, you know, I, that's like I'm not very much in that um, that 
frame that that um, arena, you know, the the casual comic reader. Right. You're not wrong, Zach, that preconceived notions about the DC EU or now worlds of DC um, is going to shape this because like if pe- if people are already deciding that they're essentially out on what DC has to offer, um, it might be too late to get them back. And I certainly wouldn't blame, I don't blame anybody who's like, look, these movies and TV shows are really not very good and they're certainly not worth paying for. I, I wouldn't blame them based on what's come before. Um, yeah, especially like as Titans is ooh. the flagship and it's very much like Suicide Squad, basically. Yeah. Uh, I think at the least price, as presented. I think the price point is good. I, it's it's as cheap as Hulu. You know, it's essentially as it's essentially as cheap as anything else. And I think Robert Malin will correct me if I'm wrong, but uh I think I said that I thought it was going to be nine ninety nine, and that they couldn't do more than nine ninety nine. And if they did more than it than that, then it wouldn't be a success. I think at seven ninety nine, that's a pretty sweet price point uh, for any streaming service. I, I think that's the sweet spot. So I think they I think they nailed that at least. Yeah, I, I think it's it's cheap enough that the casual fan can. Uh can pick up on this and not be too worried about it being a deal breaker. You know, especially if you think about it in the, if you buy the year, it's, it's less than it's, you know, it's five or $6 a month or whatever it is. And that's essentially, if you drop two comics from your pull per month, Mm -hmm. you can subscribe to this and not feel it. I could do that. (laughs) Yeah. Couldn't we all, um, I think I, I just thought of one more devil's advocate thing comparing right. um, Marvel Unlimited to DC. And this is geared more toward the hardcore, actually. Um, the fact that Marvel Unlimited releases current comics six months after release. Mm. Um, I don't have like hard and fast numbers on this, but I do like have anecdotal evidence of people who have essentially like were longtime Marvel readers and would like pull books and, you know, had a pull list, had a shop. And then just because of like, you know, life and financial issues and things essentially like just transitioned over to Marvel Unlimited and just use that and, you know, are okay with waiting the six months to get the current comics, um, which doesn't seem like something DC Universe will have at least initially. We we don't really know what's going to be on. We there. we don't, but I you know and <clears throat> exactly that's what we're. But I I would be really surprised based on what they're saying if it had like, you know, everything from Rebirth. Yeah, yeah. Everything from within the past year, or something like that. It's not. It doesn't seem like it's meant to be that kind of alternative to buying current comics. And I mm-hmm. wonder if that. I mean, obviously, I would rather just DC do DC Unlimited than do this. Um, but I wonder if business-wise that's a smarter plan. Yeah, they like DC and Marvel have a huge um, divide when it comes to like how they handle their digital media. And you can see that in the way that they handle sales. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if like either of you guys track that, but like DC will run sales every week on Comixology for trades but they're usually never cheaper than like $6 and they almost never, they 
much more rarely do sales on single issues. Like it happens, but it's not as common. Um, whereas like Marvel, well, like there was a period of time where they were selling like collections for ninety nine cents. For ninety nine cents, yeah. yeah. I bought a bunch of those. Yeah, so they but obviously it, like it, value digital much differently. It's. I was thinking about that recently. Actually, I like jumped to get like X Men Grand Design and a bunch of the Marvel Star Wars stuff when it was all ninety nine cents. And then I realized, like, schmuck, you're not going to read this stuff for at least a few months. At which point, it'll be unlimited. <laughs> and so, why don't you spend? Yeah, you know, the yeah, money yeah. On it, you know, so it's like it's just a weird. I, I'm. I'm not used to the unlimited thing. I've had unlimited for a few months, for probably close to a year now, but I'm still not used to relying on that to read comics. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I still use it more for historical stuff. If I want to go back and read something, or I missed a run or something, you know, I'll go back and that. I don't think of it as my place to get all Marvel comics. Right. And I don't know if DC will ever use this as the place to just get DC comics. But I'm what I'm really wondering about is because. You guys probably saw that at San Diego, Marvel announced a whole bunch of new digital series. Mm-hmm. Essentially for all the Defenders, they announced digital series. Uh, the TV Defenders, that is. And I find it really interesting that those series are not... Uh, I thought it would be a cool thing to do to make those series exclusive to Marvel Unlimited for a while. Mm-hmm. And entice you know new subscriptions that way. But they're not doing that. I wonder if DC will ever put like exclusive books on their app. Because if they're putting exclusive shows on their app, why mm-hmm. is that any different, really? Yeah, yeah. I think I had the prediction going into San Diego that the um, Kelly Zudaconic Warner uh, Aquaman book was going to be a, a TCU exclusive. Uh-huh. Mm. That obviously didn't happen, but I could definitely see that um, eventually. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Titans, guys. Okay. Yeah. Do we have to? This, now, you know, Vince is very quick to make fun of the CW shows, and they deserve it, but, you know, I'm a guy who watches those shows and enjoys them with with, with, a, with certain with certain levels of, uh, you know, irony and, and whatever, but I, I can legitimately say I enjoy probably half the episodes of those shows that I watch. This looks like worse than the half I don't enjoy of those shows. <laughs> This looks really dreadful. Yeah. And it's not even just... I mean, first of all, the fuck Batman thing is like... Them swinging for the fences. I understand. Like, they're doing that and they're saying, Okay, we're telling you exactly what this show is right here. You're either going to be on board or you're going to hate it. And they had to know that. They had to know that we are making a choice that's going to be divisive. And for me... Well, I think the idea of having like R-rated language in a Titans show is incredibly stupid and bad and wrong and just totally not the way I would ever go. That's not even the worst thing about this show to me from the trailer, I think. It's pretty damn bad, but... To me, it's just so disappointing that this show, again, looks like, visually, like any other CW show. Like, they all look like, it looks like the CW, the color scheme, the gradient, the music choices, just all, it's so conventional. It's so 
shit we've seen before, you know? Yeah. It looks like anything else. And right. This is and, a Berlanti thing, right? Is it? I don't even know. I don't remember. I, I think it is. I know Johns is very involved with it. Jeff Johns is, mm-hmm. yeah. is one of the writers it's, on it. It just looks like all that same shit. The characters just move the same way. Like when they're doing their ass-kicking thing, they just move the same way. There's like the same canted angles for drama at certain points. There's the same like dour, unbelievably slowed down pop song playing over it. It's just, it's all the same. And then you throw fuck Batman on top of it. And, Uh, oh, Akiva Goldsman, Jeff Johns, Greg Berlanti. Nothing Akiva Goldsman has ever touched has been good. So, It, I'm serious. Go look at his IMDb. It's the worst shit in the world imaginable. You guys talk about this, and I'm going to look up his IMDb because okay. I have long been a... Uh, a, a Beautiful oh. Mind was okay. Mm. Um, uh, the, the, you're, you're always going to find... Like, the Star Trek two. reboots were okay. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's it. That's all I see. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I... I'm incredibly disappointed by the visual look of the show. I'm incredibly disappointed by the... F- I don't know what Jeff Johns is is about when it comes to TV and, and film. Because he is the exact person who I would say, more than any of the other like big-name DC talent of the last 20 years that isn't named Grant Morrison, I think he understands what superhero comics kind of are supposed to be in terms of a little bit of goofy, a little bit of heart, a little bit of whatever. But anything he's ever done on the television side just just trends real uh, I should say post Smallville um has has trended really really dark. And I don't know why that is. Yeah, I don't know either. It is weird. I, I wonder how much of that is actually him. Yeah. Oh, Akiva Goldsman worked on Fringe, and that TV show was great. That's so true. there's that. No, I did not like it. Oh, well, you know what? You can leave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, I'm leaving. Hold Shoot. on. Um, this is me walking away. Bye. Bye, Vince. <laughs> See you guys later. Get back to us when you watch The Leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> Even the stuff that he's like been involved with that is like generally well reviewed, like Cinderella Man, is comes off as extremely schlocky to me. Um, but and then like yeah, okay, you'll find some. I'll even grant you Fringe, and I'll grant you Star Trek Discovery maybe. But like Winter's Tale, have you ever seen that? The, no, I'm not an asshole. The Dark Tower transform like this is all unmitigated crap. crap you know, yeah, yeah. Jonah <laughs> Hex. Jo- oh man, Jonah Hex. I hope that's cool. on the streaming app. <laughs> it has to be. We're, our fans are going to be so mad when we do a Jonah Hex live watch before we do Watchmen. <laughs> They're going to be yeah. so pissed. <laughs> I've never seen Jonah Hex. Me I, I have not, no. <laughs> I've heard there's some great horse stuff in it. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> I mean like special effects involving horses, not not what you perverts are thinking of. <laughs> a donkey of. show. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. Oh, that's Clerks too. Yeah. Oops. Gotta finish. Uh, <laughs> the one time I laughed out loud watching Clerks too is that line. Ah. Uh, okay. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. Uh, what are we talking about? <laughs> the Titans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's gonna be bad. I I wonder if if this is a case. I'm, I don't know how far along in production they are. They have to be reasonably far along if it's going to be starting in the fall. And um, they're dumping every episode of the first season, right? I, they haven't said if it's going to be uh, I think they have. dumped all at once. Have they, did they say that? You guys keep talking. I will find this. I, I, I haven't seen anything. Yeah, I haven't seen anything that said, said that either. I'm not saying they didn't say it. I just I haven't necessarily seen yeah. it. Um, but so I don't... Uh, but I wonder if the... I have not seen a single positive review of that trailer, but I'm also not, I, I don't traffic in morons on Twitter, so I, I don't know if people who love it, and that's not to say everyone who loves it's a moron, but you know, a lot of them are. <laughs> uh, I'm sure if you if you clicked on the um, release the Snyder Cut hashtag on that day, you probably would have found some decent reviews. This is the Snyder Cut of Titans, it's official. <laughs> All thirteen episodes of Titans will drop at once. Okay, okay. So I was gonna say it's probably too late to do anything about the tone now. You know, yeah. and but but then again, like why? From a from a from a financial perspective, why does DC need this show to be well received? Um, like honestly, because I don't think the Titans is the driving force behind people subscribing. A B. There's no network breathing down their neck saying we have to do a a blank rating or or the show's in trouble. There's no advertisers to placate. Well, you're what you're suggesting is kind of the Netflix thing, which is that by the time a show comes out, people talk about it for maybe a week and then nobody ever talks about it again. Yeah, exactly. And and that it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. They're just pumping like billions of dollars into this thing, into this perpetual motion machine. It's this is it's Randian at its core, and uh, it's not a good thing. Do you mean that... Randy from uh, Funny People? Yes, Randy. Exactly. Yep. Okay. You got it. Great so. reference there. <laughs> Everyone's gonna get that one for sure because you know it was such a that was such a well received uh, Apatow vehicle. Uh, thanks, Brian. I'm a secret fan of that movie. That's ah, bad. Have you watched it recently? Oh God, no. There's there's way more, and I'm not trying to sound like, there's way more, like, gay panic humor. And is that really? About every every other joke that comes out of Adam Sandler's movie, or mouth in that movie, is, like, talking about either his penis or Ira's penis or, and just making, just dropping uh, slurs and... Yeah, it's I will, I it's will, worse. It's worse than you remember. I trust will not me. be rewatching it then. There's also a big, big plug for Facebook. Well, no, it's a plug it's for MySpace. Uh, MySpace and and uh, James, James Taylor says fuck, fuck Facebook, fuck, Facebook. Yeah. fuck Batman. Yeah, that's that's what I thought. That's, of. that's the connection. Good, here. Yeah. That's the reference. Yeah, fuck Batman. James uh, Taylor saying fuck Batman is the only thing I'll accept. Okay, not a good movie is what I'm saying. Okay. Forty-year-old um, virgin holds up. See, I find that has has a lot more uh, 
It does have a lot of that, yes. A yep. uncomfortable I, gay humor. It does. It, they all do, though. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Actually, maybe 40-Year-Old Virgin doesn't hold up, because maybe that's the whole... Um, uh, incel thing. Maybe we, maybe we should. Maybe let's just talk about DC. <laughs> uh, knocked up forever. Okay, let's, let's let's keep going here. Um, what was that? I said knocked up forever. Oh, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Step Brothers, actually. Yeah, there we go. Catalina wine mixer. Um. All right, let's. Um, any other Titans thoughts? We have so much to talk about. Holy shit! No. Yeah, we, we're derailing for really our detriment. Yeah, I mean, when is it not for our detriment? To be fair, yeah. Um, no, I'm just. I think you're right in some ways, Brian, about like the the medium or the or the delivery service of DC Universe doesn't live or die on Titans, but it sure doesn't help that before the thing comes out the word of mouth is almost universally bad about the one thing anyone has seen from it, you know? Yeah. And I think that, you know, ultimately the stuff that is exciting to me, even on the, the TV uh, side of DC universe is, is going to be quite, I I hope is going to Mm. be quite different than Titans. And I just hope that the, platform doesn't fail so spectacularly that we don't get to see those things. And I, I legitimately think that a Swamp Thing TV show can be great. I, I legitimately think, that, and we're going to talk about this a little, little more later, that a Stargirl TV show could be really, really fun. Um, and I think that, you know, a Harley Quinn animated series is obviously something a lot of people want to see. And, you know, I, I think a Doom Patrol series, again, in theory, is good. But if it's spinning out of Titans, who knows how good that will be, you know. Yep. But there, there, yep. there's a lot to be excited about on the TV side if they can survive this initial, you know, really really poor reception of Titans. It's fascinating to me, and that we'll and we'll move on in a second. But it's fascinating to me that that we're already talking about DC Universe as if they need to make a DC EU to Worlds of DC soft reboot <laughs> before you know what i mean like yeah. you, you not even a week into the first image being released and we have we're already re- rebooting it in our heads yeah because yeah. we'll talk about that later with the with the movies for sure but like that's what they're doing with the movies right yeah. and you would think they would say hold the phone like let's make sure not everyone is gonna hate this <laughs> before we even get started you know but it seems to me like like they're lagging behind in tone already on what this, the, what the shows on this app are going to look like. Yeah, and to, um, to and, be to be fair, the Titans trailer could just be a terrible trailer for a good show. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the case, but that's certainly within. The, we've seen bad trailers before, right? Um, and but what have they done to earn our trust in that oh, way? Nothing, that of course, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, Black Lightning's good though. Half the episodes of The Flash and Arrow are still good. Yeah. Trust me on that. Okay. Um, I I do think that we have to uh, we have to watch Watchmen soon be- <laughs> because in the fall you know we have to do a live watching of the Titans. Uh, ooh, let, like, like do do it on Twitch or something, you know? Yeah. With, with our with our with our listeners. So it's just going to be us cackling? Well. Yes, exactly. 
Oh. Carmambosia. <laughs> you guys know what you signed up for. Come on. Oh, yeah. Yep. All right. Well, let, let's let's talk then. Let's talk about the movies that DC talked about this weekend. Um, the movies on the on the silver screen. They say yes. Um, white gold, <laughs> Texas tea sweetener. Um, that's a very obscure Simpsons reference there. Um, Grandma's peach tea. Yeah. Oh boy. Uh-huh. Uh. All right, um, so we got two new trailers this weekend for uh, Aquaman and Shazam. And we're talking about Aquaman first because I don't want to blow our load on Shazam too early here. But Already done. Yeah. Um, Aquaman trailer looks okay. Uh, th- it, there's a lot of unfinished CG in it. I still don't love Jason Momoa as Aquaman. I just don't think... Even though he's been in an entire movie as Aquaman, when I still see him, I don't think Aquaman. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but um, I think it looks all right. I, I, I'm, I am, let's say, uh, I'm fifty percent excited for this movie. What do you guys think, Zach? You take this away. I'm with you. I, uh, I didn't. I wasn't like blown away by it, but I did. Um, I was way more interested in in it after seeing the trailer than I could have imagined. Um, I I don't see like what the big deal is about the underwater uh, filming techniques that everyone was. You know what I'm talking about? How they everyone was on the production team was talking about how the um, the the underwater scenes were revolutionary or, you know, unlike anything else we've ever seen. And it looked pretty much like anything else I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it looks like uh, a film shot on a soundstage with some fake water put on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't even really tell that they were underwater aside from the, the blue tint to everything. And, and I, I and feel like I remember hearing, bubble. yeah, yeah. I feel like I remember hearing something about, you know, addressing them having dialogue underwater. And I, I oh. didn't really notice any of that either. Well, because remember how justice league did it No. Oh yeah. They like just put them in like an air bubble. Right. And it was like the worst shit in the world yeah. though. Like it, it looked terrible. Um, so I, I mean, already, I, yes, I agree with what you're saying. This doesn't look different than any other movie that's ever tried to do underwater shit, but it looks so much better than it did in Justice League. Man, I would give them so much credit if all the underwater dialogue was just like, <laughs> right, no, right. No, no subtitles, just like yeah. people shouting with bubbles coming out of their mouths and you have to just piece it together yourself. I would respect yep. that so much. Well, that's in the Snyder Cut too, so. <laughs> release it. Hashtag We're never going to see it. Never gonna see it. Yeah, maybe that's the real problem here. Uh, yep, it is. Um, but yeah, otherwise, uh, it, the the poster that they released was pretty cool. Um, I actually thought that was more interesting, maybe even than the trailer. Um, I'm talking about the one that's like very brightly colored and has a lot of had the majority oh, of the fish. cast on it. What'd you say? A lot of fish. Did I, I the other one? Fish. It's not the dark one with the with the Getty image sharks. 
mm. that everybody was up in arms about. <laughs> so here's my big Aquaman question. Let's pretend you have the option to see one of these two movies. Oh. Which one are you going to see? No, 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 no. You haven't heard my options oh, okay. yet. Oh, okay, I thought. Gotcha. This, okay. Aquaman, I this Aquaman movie or the Aquaman movie from Entourage? <laughs> <laughs> well, the Aquaman movie from Entourage would be far more interesting because it would be really bad. Hey, Vinny Chase like the best actor of his generation, okay? it's No, it's going to basically be... Uh, the what's that Travolta movie he was just in? Um, oh, Gotti. Gotti, yeah, it's good. It's Gotti only Aquaman, so far funnier than this. That's true. That's true. No, I think so. To tell you what I thought of the the movie uh, or the trailer, um, to me, it looks like your average. Everything's got to be compared to Marvel, right? <laughs> sure. It looks it looks like your average MCU movie now, which is like. Semi-origin story for the hero. Uh, he's reluctant to take up the mantle and do what he's supposed to do. Oh, something happens and he has to. And, you know, there's a there's one villain and then maybe there's going to be a turn or a twist where there's another villain. We kind of saw, like, um, what's his name? Orm? Yeah. As, like, one villain and then Black Manta, of course. And, uh, and... To to me, it looks like a completely average kind of superhero movie that that we've. It's of the quality that we expect. At least that's how it looks. Which, by DC standards, is actually an upgrade. Right. You know, this looks like it's more along the lines of Wonder Woman. Um, did you see the the semi hot take that this is basically reverse Black Panther, where Aquaman is Killmonger? I had that thought, but I didn't want to say it. Um, that this this looks a lot like Black Panther. And I, I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna be as good as Black Panther. But... No, no, no. I also think that that's just an unfortunate bit of timing because obviously this was in production concurrently to Black Panther. So it's, right. it's not like they saw that and then changed the film. But I think just the timing of it's going to make it appear that way. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, th- this is. Th- th- I hope it's fine. It's cr- it's going to be crumpulent. I think. Yeah. Right. Oh. Cr- crumpulent. We decided was like pretty good. My right? ki- my kingdom for Casper Crump in this movie. <laughs> ca- ca- I'm telling you, Casper Crump is. Uh... <sighs> what's uh, what's what's Aquaman's buddy? Um... Willem Dafoe. <laughs> yeah, yes. That should have been Casper Crump instead of Defoe. I agree with that. <laughs> Willem Defoe should only be allowed to play um, the Green Goblin in superhero movies. <laughs> now and forever. <laughs> uh, what am I doing in the DCU? <laughs> yeah. So let's get to the main, the main meat here, boys. Oh, that Shazam no. trailer is so fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh... It, yeah. I I got a question. Okay. So with this whole... With this world of DC announcement, do you think this is going to interact at all with any of the other stuff, or will it be its own thing? Supposedly, it's going to be 
part of the part of the universe. You think so? Or they, they've said that? The, well, it's all been said kind of cagely, but supposedly the big ba- the villain for the third Superman movie is supposed to be Black Adam. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. that would tie into this movie. Okay. But it's so, kind of hard to see Man um, of Steel in this operating on the same it, it, yeah. Yeah. existence. But, but here's what I think. I think they've already begun that process because – if you look at Justice League, which I did not think was a very good movie, but Justice League did already take steps to kind of pretend that the movies that came before didn't really happen in the way that they exactly happened, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they were already starting to talk about Superman as more of a symbol of hope and things like that, and they're doing things they're doing things that don't completely discard the movies that came before, but kind of recalibrate our memories of them in some way, or kind of pay, they, they use a little bit of the time in between the movies to say that things happened that would change the characters a little bit to suit the tone that they're going for. And I feel like that's what this worlds of DC thing kind of through Shazam is going to accomplish a little bit because, um, you don't need to hard reboot it, but you but you can set this in the same world as Man of Steel and say that while well, these kids remember the most recent actions of Superman and they don't remember any of the Batman versus Superman stuff, you know, how much of that does the public, you know, they can easily suggest that the public doesn't even know about most of that stuff. Mm. Um, it's... Yeah, it's going to be a little wonky, and they're going to have to kind of pretend that some things didn't happen, but I feel like that's what they're doing. I think they're acknowledging that by naming it something other than what everybody has been calling it, you know? Alice Alice on Twitter uh, said something about, so, so we're just going to go ahead from Shazam and pretend like nothing else happened before. And I think that that's like 80% the case. I, f- I feel like... They can go forward and say, like, you know, we don't have to overtly reference this stuff that came before to build a better movie franchise out of this. See, to me, Wonder Woman is going to be that turning point where everything before Wonder Woman is not going to be acknowledged. And even Justice League probably won't be acknowledged that much. But I think Wonder Woman is going to be safely in the new canon. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. They can't deny it. Yeah. I... I just was thinking when the the Worlds of DC name came out, how, you know, maybe just DC isn't cut out to do a shared film universe the way Marvel is, and and how much better their films could maybe just be if they were all their own thing. Um, Yeah. You know, and that would be fine. Well, and what if... What if, even if they weren't overtly connected in some sort of uh, decade-long storyline that they're building to, what if Henry Cavill's Superman just showed up in somebody else's movie once and you didn't have to... I know that that's not the way that like executives think or something, but I, I'm, how much trouble would it cause to have Black Adam be in Shazam and then all of a sudden be in Man of Steel... And we don't have to pretend like it's. It can be two. It can be two different things. We don't have to pretend that it's some overarching storyline that builds to dark side somehow. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. Why not? Um. So I have a few Shazam questions for you guys. 
Do you think Taki Tani's in this movie? <laughs> yes. God, I hope so. I don't know how. I don't know like to what degree. Like I don't know if we'll get an anthropomorphic tiger or mm-hmm. if we'll just have a, a CG tiger that talks. They're um, gonna smoke some dank weed and then the <laughs> tiger's gonna start talking to them. That that's probably true. Shazam's gonna buy all the kids weed because yeah. he's old enough to. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm imagining he's old enough like to get a, his pot card. Yeah. I'm, I'm imagining like a '90s comedy, like smash cut in a trailer of like kids getting high really fast and then like <laughs> tripping out to a, a tiger. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I can just imagine that trailer playing in my head right now. Yeah. All right, second question: Will the other kids from John's Run get powers by the end of the film? No, I'm gonna say no. Okay. Third question: Will we be teased at Mary and Billy? I mean, Mary and, and Freddie having powers in this film? I say yes. Even if we don't see it, like, will will the seeds mm-hmm. be laid for that? Credit stinger. I th- I think so. Yeah. It's okay. gonna be Mar- it's gonna be Mark Strong in the in the Yellow Lantern <laughs> costume all over again. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say it was like Mark Strong as as uh, as Mary as, as, Mary as Dr. Savannah. <laughs> Mark Strong is going to tr- trans transfer from Dr. Savannah to being Sinestro for no reason. Um, <laughs> I have said this before, but I I still did, I don't think they've ever answered the question. Of how if Shazam is not Captain Marvel anymore, if it's going to be Mary Shazam and Shazam Junior instead of <laughs> Mary Marvel and Captain Marvel Junior. So, we'll yeah, I don't know. Um, the name Mary Shazam makes me laugh every time. Though. Mary Shazam, fuck Mary Shazam. <laughs> Shazamery. <laughs> That's bad. Uh, no, never. Uh, I have a question for you. Sure. Is NBC's Chuck going to be the hottest thing in Hollywood after this movie comes out? (laughs) He looks really good in this role. He does. And you know what? I saw some people talk about, like, the fake muscles in the suit. That's the best part. That's the – yes, of course. Why would you want – you're not going to get somebody to actually have the, 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 like – Comic book puffed up Shazam physique. Unless you hire Dwayne the Rock Johnson to be Shazam. But even then, he's not. He's the closest you could come. He is the closest you could come. But like, you're talking about a fucking cartoon character, right. okay? Yeah, yeah. Like, suspend your disbelief a little bit and have fun with the fact that he's walking around with foam fucking muscles, <laughs> looking like a cartoon. It's it's amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. It's the best part of the costume. It really is. It is, and the costume looks great. Ten looks out of the costume does look really good. the The light up, the the lamp on the front is good. Oh yes. god, the the transformation when Billy's walking and he says Shazam, and then it's a puff of smoke. And yep. how good did that fucking look? Oh man, everything about the trailer made me just smile ear to ear. Even the beginning when Freddy's like, "They're nice, but they're not what they appear." I'm just I'm just fucking with you. Whatever he says, like you know, even that part was like, "Oh my goodness!" There's a lot of humor in this trailer. They're not mm-hmm. afraid of the humor, and then him charging people's cell phones, like you know, yeah, all of that. It's so it's so great. Ah. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be good. It had a very Spider-Man Homecoming feel with the whole um, testing out his powers thing with the yes. 
like little notepad with the what, what tests they're doing and they're filming it. Very like to me that was so Spider Man to me, which is kind of the tone that you want to strike for. Absolutely. I mean they're not they're not exactly the same, but tone wise they're not that different. No, they're both stories of children getting superpowers, and mm-hmm. and, and that is such a visceral memory for so many kids who wanted to have superpowers. You know, every kid in the world can relate to being Shazam. You all yeah. want yeah. that. I do. Good. It uh it is fun it's funny to me just how much at least it seems the the first half or so of the movie is going to essentially be the the new fifty two John's Frank Shazam story. Yes. Yeah. It 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 seems like it may end up being it's almost like shot for shot minus Black Adam, you know? Yeah. When you said John's Frank Shazam, I thought you were saying his name was Frank Shazam, which is also very funny to me. I just love, I love the idea of a Shazam last name. Frank Shazam. <laughs> These are my cousins, Frank and Mary Shazam. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was maybe the biggest surprise uh, for DC coming out of out of Comic Con, which is how good that trailer was. I got excited when they had the um, the image of him like drinking the was it a Slurpee or something outside the computer yeah. store. Yeah, like, that that was a great image, but it certainly didn't prepare me for how good the trailer was going to be. I can't wait. Yeah, when's that movie come out? Uh, February maybe. Oh yeah. Somewhere in that ballpark, early that's, early twenty nineteen. That's I'm nice. Excited. Let's see. So we've got Aquaman in December. Uh, Shazam is in April. April, okay. Wonder um, Woman's in July. Good question. And then the Joker is in that November. right? Okay. Oh my goodness! Well, they're finally getting sorry. their four. They're finally getting their four movies. Yeah. The, the freaking Joker! It's gonna happen. Did you God. hear who's rumored to be in it today? Uh, 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 you yeah, Robert to De Niro. <laughs> yeah. You talking to me? Bob De Niro himself, yeah. Oh, boy. It's going to be too twisted. It will be. Is that going to be made? Ever since I was a little boy, I wanted to be the Joker. <laughs> will Will Jared Leto let this be made? Uh, um. He's already sent like a box of used condoms to uh, Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix's house. You know that. <laughs> Wouldn't it be so twisted if Joaquin Phoenix put them on and sent him pictures of him wearing them? <laughs> he would out Joker Leto that way. You know what this is leading to, right? A Three Jokers movie. Three Jokers. Yeah, yeah. we've already my, joked about my Three this. Jokers. Yeah. We have already joked about this because we have to figure out who the third Joker is going to be. It's Jack Devilson, duh. <laughs> no, no, it's got to be <laughs> the joke I made. It's going to be an animated Mark Hamill Joker ah, interacting yeah. with the other two. The joke I made online, which is re- it's really bad, and it's I'm sorry I even made it, is that the third Joker is going to be Logan Paul. <laughs> it's the he's just like the scum of online. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the whole like YouTube g- getting hits, t- totally talentless culture. Uh, 
but it was a joke that had to be made. I felt so. <laughs> um, man, I ooh, this is I didn't realize that they were all so close together. I think um, I think. Well, I don't know. I I honestly weirdly kind of feel like that combination could maybe be like fatigue proof because there's such different audiences. Oh, for for me, yes, I think you're right because people are people are going to flip for anything Joker, but I'm going to be so fatigued by the time that Joker movie comes around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Not but it. I mean like Wonder Woman will have so much goodwill coming off for the first movie, it'll do fine. Yeah. Shazam, I think if it carries this, you know, this level of of um, hype and goodwill, it should do fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I still think Aquaman is the hardest sell of the bunch. Yeah, me too. But I think it's coming in a such a weird time. In a you know, all of the Marvel movies for the year are gone or are, are, are through. Um, there aren't a lot of big like tentpole blockbusters left for the end of the year. Um, the only one that I can really think of is Fantastic Beasts, and that you know, there's no Star Wars. Hey, I like those; they're okay. I I saw Johnny Depp show up at Comic Con, and I almost yeah, threw up. Yeah, that's the worst. Only partially because he's a a, a, a because he beat his ex wife, but like also just he just looks like trashed right now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. In the film as well. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Something something Mordecai. <laughs> oh my gosh, I have the best story about that movie. Um Lay it on us. I so I don't even remember what movie we were seeing, but have you guys are you guys familiar with those like survey kiosks that people will like drag you to as you're exiting a movie and have you watch a trailer and then take a survey about it. Yes. Yes. The only time that has ever happened to me was for the film Mordecai. (laughs) And I was forced to watch this trailer that I had no, I I had not heard of the film was not familiar with it all. And I'm just astounded at at what I am being made to watch and then asked to actually like elaborate on my thoughts. (laughs) What did you say? I don't even remember. Were you just? I said this was bad. Collar, like, I was like, this is bad. Man, oh man. Oh man, good shit. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, any other film thoughts? Um, was that? I can't remember if this was Comic-Con related, but was that Birds of Prey news? Did that come out of Comic-Con, or was that tangential or even confirmed? It did. uh, Supposedly, it's uh, that Birds of Prey will have Harley Quinn as the lead again. Um, But we're going to get Renee Montoya, Cassandra Cain, Black uh, Canary, and... I'm forgetting. Hang on one more. Uh, Huntress. As as the characters, I think that could work. Maybe I like seeing Renee and Cassandra in there. Yeah, yep. But you know, if it's a Harley Quinn movie, it's gonna be bad. So <laughs> yeah. 
All right, so let's move on to the comics then. I'm, I'm going to sort of do some, some rapid-fire stuff, and then we'll get to the big stuff in a few minutes. So, um, Old Lady Harley, do we care? I, I don't. That is the correct answer. Um, that was a char- It was a charming enough issue, but I don't need to see more. Sure. Uh, Justice League Dark and Wonder Woman crossing over, The Witching Hour, six-part event for uh, October. That should be fun. Cool, yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. Uh, Let's see. The next line of DC Zoom and Ink titles were announced, uh, as well as having some artists attached to books that were previously announced. Like, for instance, there was a book that was announced that didn't have an artist that the artist has been revealed to be Chris Wild Goose. So that's that's super fun. Um, Uh... I think the rest of the stuff is all worth sort of a a, a more uh, you know in depth discussion. So let's let's start with um, Electric Warriors. So this is yes. a new uh, Steve Orlando Travel Foreman miniseries that essentially takes place in the future of Commandy. Like it, it's it's not necessarily Kirby characters, but it's in the Kirby world and. Uh, this sounds like something right out of Vince's dream journal. Yeah, th- this must be the thing that Steve Orlando was talking about as his dream project. Yeah. And I love that they're just they're seemingly just let letting him do kind of whatever he wants with these super obscure or even like new characters. I feel like he is just being allowed to do Steve Orlando, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, and I think I think we're all the better for it. This is wild. The the Foreman art coming out of this does not look like anything DC related. It boggles my mind that this is a DC in universe branded book thing that will exist in 2018. I mean, his art was even bizarre for the New 52. Like, his yeah, Animal yeah. Man looked totally different than anything else DC was doing in the New 52. So, um, you know, kudos to them for uh, for putting him on a book like this, because I think, I think his art looks amazing so far. Um, I think it's really cool and interesting to see, and we talked about this a lot last year with... DC celebrating Kirby's 100th birthday. But to me, it's so cool to see how much DC, and I, I think a lot of this is the deal, actually, how much they embrace what Kirby did for the company, even though it's not the most successful or the most well-known stuff. It just seems to me like DC is very comfortable praising Kirby in a way that Marvel still isn't. Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah. He's the king. Yeah. And DiDio is a, is a gigantic Kirby fan, and this seems like the type of thing that he would green light, you know, just based on the fact that he'd probably want to read it. And uh, it's... I can't imagine a better writer tackling this than Steve Orlando. His, his, his love of Kirby, his his ability to write, like, futurism stuff, and his... His love of the material, but his uh, ability to move past that 
into creating something new out of it is just perfect for this project. I'm so you, psyched for this. You now have me imagining Orlando pitching this to, to Dio, and he's basically just going through the stages of the Vince McMahon. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> yes. Well played, Zach. Oh, my God. I'm trying to think you, what you the need, word would be. You need to craft be. that tweet. Yeah, I'm trying to think what the word would be that would send him, you know, off his chair. Off his chair. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> work work on that one, Zach. Yeah. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll workshop that and get back to you guys next week. Yeah. <laughs> so that's six issues starting in November and uh, should be incredibly cool. Um, Did we know that Rob Williams was leaving Suicide Squad with number 50 yet? I'm, that was the rumor. Well, the rumor was that Brian Azzarello was taking over. But right, me. but I, I think they kind of tied that in with all these books ending at, at around <clears throat> around 50. I, okay. If you're talking about the, the number 50 as the thing that we knew or not, no, we didn't. Okay. Uh, he, he confirmed that this week, but Suicide Squad, as of, I want to say, it's September, no longer is shipping twice monthly. So that means that his run is actually not ending until, I guess, it's the new year. Mm. Um, that's that's fine. Um all right, let's get into some of the big ones here. It's true, it's true, it's true. Grant Morrison and Liam Sharp are doing The Green Lantern, a new series. It will, at least for the time being, appear to be the only Green Lantern ongoing series. Uh, Morrison has said that this is going to definitely be his version of Hal as a space cop, not dealing with universe-ending uh, threats, but rather as grounded as a space cop book can be, it appears. Um, I mean, this is, this is nothing but good news. Yeah. I love that pitch for it too. Um, just cause like, I, I feel like that that's a way to do Hal Jordan. Cause let's be honest there's not much interesting territory to mine with the character of Hal Jordan anymore. I don't think, um, that's a way to do it and put a Morrison spin on it. That, that, that's something that's left behind. And I feel like he could mine again, you know? Yeah. Makes sense. Sure. Zach, what's it? Yeah. Uh, this is, this is great. And, Man, that Liam Sharp art coming out of the con was just so good. Um, yeah, I think this is going to be fantastic. But I'm just having to keep my expe- ex- ugh, expectations in check um, because as of right now, this is just a 12-issue thing. It's being compared to All-Star Superman for Green Lantern. Um, but... Uh, you know, there's that part of me that wants to look at how, uh, you know, Batman was initially just going to be the Batman and Sun arc, and then he wrote Batman for three or four years, and it was, you know, it kind of shaped his work in the DCU for, for years, and oh, man, part of me just imagines what he could build in this, like, you know, next phase of his DC work, 
starting with Green Lantern. Was it last year at San Diego they announced the Multiversity 2? No, I want to say that was like the same. I, I think that was the same con when they announced the um, the Earth and Milestone stuff. I want to say that was like 2015. Wow. It was a long time ago. Let me... Let's see. Yeah, that was 2015. Wow. I, uh... I mean, I, I am not the biggest fan of the space cop description of the Green Lantern Corps. I just think that it, it's somewhat reductive, but I know Grant Morrison doesn't mean it in that way, and I know that he will do a really, really fine job with this. I'm a little concerned... Not concerned. I'm a little surprised we're not going to be seeing any other Lanterns in their own books for a while. You know, I know we have John in Justice League. I know we have Jessica in Justice League Odyssey. But there hasn't been a time with it without a Guy, Kyle, or uh, or Simon title in a very long time. I, I kind of wonder if there's maybe still another book that's going to be announced. And and the first thing I thought when I saw that Rob Williams was going off a of Suicide Squad is like, oh, he'll end up on a Green Lantern book. Hmm. I kind of want. I kind of wonder if he's going to be too busy with Judge Dredd. That's true. I, w- I wonder if he won't really be doing all that much DC. Like I, I don't know that he'll immediately get another book with DC again. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I personally think that it might be time to rest the multi lantern book concept for a while. Mm-hmm. But I would like to see those characters elsewhere, like throw Kyle and Titans, or uh, you know, um, you know, something like Simon that. and Outsiders, maybe. Yeah, yeah, just you know, or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just throw those characters someplace else and let the Earth Lanterns be Green Lanterns, but not necessarily be, uh, you know, so involved in the core stuff. It's been a long time since since the Green Lantern core book. Has really excited me. Even the last the last bit of Tomasi's run to me was not nearly as good as some of the earlier Tomasi Green Lantern Corps stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe it's time to give that concept a bit of a rest. Yeah, they. I mean the the Morrison stuff. Did they say how long it's going to run? For sure, it's rumored to be. A year. I believe that's. All, I believe it's just been a rumor. I don't think anybody said. Okay. The, oh, I thought that. I thought I had seen that. It was confirmed as twelve issues. Let me see. Okay. Well, if it, either way, they're they're clearly going to have to calibrate, recalibrate something for when that year is up, and who knows what the what direction they'll go then. But I think they. I think they kind of sense that things weren't going really the way that. People wanted lanterns weren't drumming up the same excitement that they had been in the past, and I think whatever they decide to do next is probably going to be another semi drastic change. I would think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe maybe that hasn't been confirmed. Yeah, maybe it, maybe that is just a rumor because I'm looking at the uh, 
the announcement article and it doesn't mention anything about that. Well, okay, yeah. then. All right, That's... then. I have no all bets are off. I will get very excited. <laughs> I mean, I don't think Morrison's ever going to be doing another five-year run on a book. But who knows? I don't want that so badly. <laughs> uh, we all do, but I, I just don't think we're going to get it, unfortunately. I just want him to be our special boy forever. Yeah. Is he still doing heavy metal, by the way? <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody Did knows. you ever get your Savage Sword of Jesus Christ or whatever it's called? I have not gotten it yet. I'm, I'm assured that it's still in my poll. But I've not gotten it. Well, let's talk about Kelly Sue DeConnick and Robson Roca taking over Aquaman as of December. I love the pitch for it. Tell our readers what that pitch is. It's, uh, well, it's kind of, apparently, Arthur washes up on a shore somewhere and can't remember who he is. And it's his, like, journey to finding out who he is again. And it's kind of a... I think Jim Lee was the one who said it's kind of like uh, Aquaman Year One, or you know, some one of those like he compared it to a couple of those like evergreen um, collections that DC always hangs their hat on, mm-hmm. um, which sounds great to me. But I I don't know if he's just blowing smoke or what. But that sounds nice, and I think I trust DeConnick to have a, a really interesting take on that and to not just do, like, Aquaman origin again. Right. Um, I, I I like the pitch a lot, and I'm, I'm excited that, you know, we kind of speculated, oh, well, you know, Meryl will be Queen of Atlantis, and that very well could be the case going, going alongside this. But I like that her focus is still going to be on Arthur because... Um, why not just let her write the whatever she wants to with these characters? You know, uh, I think it's a really interesting pitch. So I'm down to clown <laughs> is what I'm saying. I don't know if Robson Roca is the artist I would have put on this book. Yeah. Yeah. That's Roca is serviceable, but Roca is like the one who comes in and does wasn't there like weren't there like three weeks where we had like Roka books like two Roka books in one week yeah 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 like that's that's what Robson Roka is to DC and I'm not sure yeah they could have at least they could have at least gone with a, a huge name for the first issue and tried to trick you into thinking that that person was going to stick around you know so mm-hmm. the Jim Chung trick yeah, yeah. the Jim Chung trick the Ivan Reyes trick. Yeah. I mean, to be yeah. fair, maybe if Roca has this assignment and he's not going to be doing five other books at the same time, maybe he'll surprise us. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't I, dislike Roca's work some of the time. <laughs> I think I think I'm one of the I think I'm the minority here in that I kind of liked his Supergirl stuff when he was on that book. Um not so much the Green Lantern stuff though. So Yeah, see, I was flipped for some reason. <laughs> I like the Green Lantern stuff and not the Supergirl stuff. And I don't know why. I can't explain it. I'm not, you know. Your take is equally valid, I think. Who knows? But I think it speaks to this idea that 
the because of how much work he was doing, it was a little inconsistent. Whether whether you know you or I liked one or the other, there was definitely something different about them. Right. Right. Um. So now for years, going this is so old that this is going back <laughs> to to re, the start of rebirth. Yeah, the Tomasi thing. No, no, we'll get to oh. that in a minute. Um, was that Rich Johnson was saying Mark Silvestri is doing a Batman comic? He's going to be the writer artist on Batman coming out of in Rebirth. It's going to be a thing, and then obviously it was never never materialized. But now it is a Batman Joker team up miniseries. Batman Joker Deadly Duo. Wait, the wait, black label. wait, wait! Hold the fucking phone here. Batman teaming up with the freaking Joker? Twisted as that may sound. He's a villain. I know. Batman's a good guy. I know. Vince, 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 has has that ever happened before? Has that ever happened before? (laughs) It actually happened in Detective Comics number 82. You don't say. Back in 1948. Dang, so there there is precedent. There is precedent, yeah. Yeah. How about that? Yep. And guess what? Guess what else? What? Not only did the freaking Batman and the dang Joker team up, they teamed up against a second Joker. What? That's right. There were two freaking Jokers back then. Oh. And now Jeff Johns says there's three? What? What's next? Four Jokers? Hashtag four Jokers. Hashtag multiverse of comics. You better watch out because pretty soon I'm going to be predicting a fifth Joker. What? Before we even see the fourth. What? <laughs> God, I'm so stupid. Could we be on our way to a, a Joker core? Yeah. A League of Jokers? <laughs> if we're, about there, we're about there some lantern oath to yes. go along with that. <laughs> Do you still have that, Vince? Uh, we won't punish our listeners. Oh, no, that. we will. We will. No, no, no. I don't have it. it. You can recite it. Uh, uh-uh. He burned it. No. So, to me, the thought of crime is funny. That's the only part I'm going to say. Listeners, you two can have a back tattoo that says this, much like Vince, Zach, and I. A comics-accurate back tattoo. Yes. <laughs> which is my favorite obscure Twitter joke. Joker sporting comics accurate back tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> um, do we have any interest in the series? I were it not for this show, I would not look at it. I it sounds like Zach's planning on not. I'm not going to read it. I'm yes, you my are. Foot down. Yes, no, you, are. you can't no, make me. I can tell be... you, I read it and I won't read it. This is going to be the first book that the DC3 does not agree that we are reading that Zach is going to preemptively refuse to read. <laughs> He's going to make history with this one. Yeah. And Zach, I hope you stick to your guns. I really do. I will respect the hell out of you. I have read 51 <laughs> issues of Tom King's Batman. <laughs> Me too. You can read three issues of Mark Silvestri's bullshit. Why? I we already to, know what it. I'm going to say. We know we all know what we're going to say. Hey, it's true. Zach, I is can go ahead 100%. and say it right okay. now. I, I have... Okay, guys, we have just read issue number one of Batman Loves Joker by Mark <laughs> Silvestri. 
What do we think? Long pause. Zach. Uh, Vince. <laughs> Brian. I think we're all in agreement that this was bad. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Zach. Apparently I'm Seth Rogen. <laughs> yeah, you are. All right, so Zach, I have five words for you. You ready? Red Hood and the Outlaws. No, this no, no, is no, not. no, no. We all had our minds made up about that book, and then we gave it a shot, and and we now have uh, Brian. This is a book about we the now have Joker Pup teaming up with Batman. There's no way any of us are gonna like it. I don't. Of course, we're not gonna like it. We have to give it a chance, though. Zach, you do you. This is a free country. Last I checked. <laughs> oh, it's almost like well, I try to keep this this train on the tracks. We'll get we'll there when that. we get there. All right. All right, we'll see. All right, well, um, to get back on something that Zach will read, or so he says, um, <laughs> Jeff. How John- do you know I read any of these books? <laughs> well. <laughs> If you don't read these books, then you're not acting at all on the show. I'm saying this after game up, Wilkerson. Prove to me you read these books. Okay, all right. I'll start sending you my notes that I take. Yeah, of course you take notes. Uh, Anyway, we knew Jeff Johns had a new Shazam series coming out. We now know it launches in November, and Dale Eaglesham is the artist on it. That's exciting, right? I like Eagle Sham a lot. Yeah, I do too. I'm gonna read this. Yeah, cross my heart. <laughs> Thanks, Zach. <laughs> I, Thanks for doing your job. For <laughs> I like the last time you were like, "Fuck Brian, Zach, do what you want," and now you're all uh, do your job. Yeah, but I I sympathize with him on the Sylvester thing. <laughs> I get it. I don't want to read that book. Lord knows that's time I'm taking away from my children. That is time I'm not playing with my kids. My sweet, I can hear sweet, cats in the children. cradle. Exactly. Yeah. A child arrived yeah. just the other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was a book from Sylvester. <laughs> Joker's to read. He's teaming up with the bat. Yeah. I said, "Sorry, son, <laughs> but I gotta <laughs> take a shit." <laughs> okay. No. 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 Okay. Jeff Johns, Dale Eaglesham, Dale Dale Eagle Shazam. Thank oh, you very much. Oh, oh, um. Oh. um i love shazam's art or i mean uh eagle shams art i love shazam's art already already. (laughs) (laughs) this is so off the rails i just did a big line of uh uh sugar um no (laughs) uh booger sugar (laughs) um no so the the visual style for Shazam, since Jeff Johns was like working on him five years ago already, uh, had been Gary Frank, and then with the the whole Thunderworld thing, it was Cameron Stewart, right? Mm-hmm. What was the other one that we had? Doc Shaner did the Doc Shaner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like those visuals are all kind of similar and Eagle Sham is a, a very different, not that those artists are the same, but like, I, I think, I think Eagle Sham is finally breaking away from this idea of what Shazam is that has kind of been consistent 
in his visual presentation over the last five years. I feel like this is going to be something a little bit different. See, I feel like um, Shaner and Stewart were the outliers, and this is how Shazam has looked since the New Fifty Two. Do you think so? You think this is closer to Gary Frank than? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. I, what I, I think what this is Gary to... Frank by way of Doc Shaner, oh, essentially. Okay. It's it's the Frank costumes, but with with a um more classic, friendlier aesthetic. Yeah. I I guess I'm just wrong. It's cool. Yeah, sure. No, I don't know. I'm no, I, I no. I feel like Eaglesham's art fits right in with like with Shazam on the Justice League team. You know, not not in the backups with the Gary Frank stuff. Or fits in with like um even the the, the Shazam family in Flashpoint. Like I, I think he fits in with all of that. Yeah. Yes. I agree with that. Um but yeah, this is gonna be great. I'm, I, I'm still a little bit torn on this newly extended Shazam family. I feel like it's a fun idea, but there's been nothing, literally now for five or six years with those characters at all. So it's a little hard for me to get excited about those characters because we just don't know what they're going to be like in this book at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it's smart for DC to to do all they can to not just make Shazam the poor man Superman, the way Captain Marvel often was presented. Even if I never felt that way. Yeah, I think, man, thinking about like the witching hour crossover, this is a book that I would love to see interacting with Justice League Dark and, and, and things like that. It, it it would be because that book, even though that crossover looks like it could be really dark, like that book seems like a really fun, zany take on magic with all of those characters. Yeah. Um, you know, Detective Chimp. It'd be great to see Detective Chimp and, and Man Bad interacting with the Shazam family. Yeah, I agree with that. I do hope that this is the beginning of, I mean, it's been years, literal, I mean, it's been since way before Flashpoint that there was any sort of consistent Shazam presence in the DC Universe that wasn't, like, a book here or there or a temporary time on a team. Like, Freddie Freeman was on the Cry for Justice, Justice League team, but that was pretty much the last time that any of those characters had any real interaction with any DC characters outside of, you know, outside of themselves. And then, even with Shazam on the Justice League team, he never really did anything, right? Was there ever an arc that had anything to do with him besides him just being, like, the least written member of the team? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. so just to get this character back into the, the general, uh, discussion of, of great DC, DC characters I think is really good and especially with the movie coming out you want to do that um, it's what I was talking to a friend about this this weekend who is not a particular comics fan and he was saying that he feels like the Shazam movie is going to 
either do way, way better than expected or way, way worse because the word is so known outside of comics for other things now. Like, there's the Shazam app that tells you what song is playing in the bar you're in or whatever, you know? And, yeah, uh, and that's how, his superpower. It's really weird. Yeah, exactly. And how people tend to use that word outside of the comics context for meaning like, like, and then bam, it happens. Shazam, you know, whatever. It's just like, it's it's something that, it's a word that means so much more than just the character. How many people, though, are going to say, oh, are they rebooting that Shaq movie, Kazam? Oh, I already have friends who have made that joke to me, too, and I've told them that they're uh, disowned. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a bad joke, but it's it's right there, so. <laughs> What's that movie that doesn't exist that people have? <laughs> uh, the Wizard movie. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. There's like, because uh-huh. um, Kazam is the Shaq Wizard movie. Oh, it's Sinbad. The people are convinced yeah. that Sinbad made a movie where he's a wizard and it's it's not a real thing. And there's like right. thousands of tweets people talking about this. And yeah. it's actually called Shazam. Is it? According to this Yeah. Because over the years hundreds of people online have shared yeah. memories of a cheesy ninety movie called Shazam, but it has two A's at the end. <laughs> Man, we are fucking stupid. Yeah. This our we deserve Whatever apocalypse is coming, <laughs> we just deserve to be wiped off the face of the earth. Because we confuse <laughs> yes. Neil and uh, Sinbad? Yes, of course. Yeah. They are two beautiful creatures of a loving God, and we should not have ever confused them. Um, Alright, uh, John's also announced that he will be showrunning a Stargirl series for DC Universe, a live-action series. Fuck Jack Knight. I will never say those words. Um, but but she would. Stargirl would. She will. She will. Yeah, probably. Um, obviously, this is a character that John's co-created and loves. Uh, is there any desire for you guys to see a Stargirl show? I mean, not if it's the same as everything else. Not. I, I have no interest in another... CW style show. Yeah, I I would much rather read a Star Girl comic and watch a forty five minute television series. I agree with that, but you know, I also think that this could be a chance. Again, if Titans is the the first uh, the first shot that's going to be widely you know uh, disliked, this seems like the this seems like the Shazam in the bunch where you could totally course correct the tone with this show. Yeah. yeah. But we'll see. It could happen. I agree with that. But <laughs> it, it could be just as good as the Mark Silvestri Batman Joker book. <laughs> Multiversity's 2018 book of the year. We'll, ne- we'll never know. Let's be fair. It's going to be 2020. There's no way this book's going to be like this year or the next. Okay, fair, fair, fair. They specifically said we're not going to announce a release date because we want it to be done before it's solicited. And again, Great. He, yep. he, he started posting on Instagram. He started and, sweating immediately. Yeah. In like 2015, he started posting on Instagram that he was working on this book. So we had a long time, guys. Don't worry. We'll all forget about it. My kids will be in college and I won't have to be 
guilty about reading this book because they'll be out of the house already. Um, Three Jokers will be coming out as part of Black Label, though it will still be in continuity. So I don't know why it's coming out as Black Label, but whatever, dude. And, uh, yeah. Well, it's obvious. Vince figured it out earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah this was before you got on. Oh. It's obvious why it's in continuity but Black Label. So because you, so you can see all three Joker dicks? <laughs> Close. Because <laughs> Jeff Johns is bound and determined to beat Sean Murphy to showing uh, Harley Quinn naked. Oh, that is okay. There we go. Yep. It's going to happen, and Sean Murphy's going to have like a public blow up about it. It's going to be a whole thing. I thought you were going to say that the fourth Joker's holding the Joker card. <laughs> that was a yes. That was a joke we made too. I know. Yeah. That too. That's going to happen also, and and then to uh, quell the controversy, DC is going to Warner Brothers is going to release the Snyder Cut. <laughs> Uh, uh, last bit of John's news he talks about his Killing Zone imprint which will launch with multiple books in mid-2019 and he said it will quote consist of multiple books that tell a story spanning from 1940 to 2040 the titles will include some new characters and some recognizable but lesser seen ones and he's doing a politics he's what? he's doing a politics also did you see that they're going to be politically focused? I did not see that no yeah. Oh boy. So that's good. I'm sure that won't be that won't turn out problematic at all. Yeah. Um I have a hard time believing anything they say about this imprint because I don't believe this imprint's happening. You don't you don't think it's happening at all. I've been thinking a lot about this and hear me out, okay? You are okay. <laughs> Alright. Go no, no, go for it. No, I've been thinking about this since this since San Diego Comic Con. Every imprint that DC has set up so far has had one of two purposes. The main purpose has been to bring creators that DC wants either in its fold or back in its fold to be happy. So you've got guys like Gerard Way, Brian Bendis, um, Warren Ellis setting up these imprints that exist for that purpose. The other imprint that DC has set up are the imprints to allow various members of their sort of senior staff to have the kind of comics they want to see. So that's why we have Hanna-Barbera for DiDio. That's why we have Black Label for Jim Lee. And on the surface, this seems like this is Jeff Johns' version of that. But Jeff Johns seems like a guy who really wants to be involved in the mainline DCU more than anything else. And... I just see this as one of those... I see this as the 10 years later version of the Flash Speed Force book. Something that he's excited about and talking about now, but we're never actually going to see happen. But didn't you say like a few podcasts ago that you don't really see Johns doing much in mainstream DC anymore? I've been thinking about that a lot. And I just think that like if you look at Shazam, you look at Three Jokers, like I think he really wants to get back into that. See, I, I see Shazam... I see Shazam and Three Jokers as promises left unkept and things that he basically needs to clean up before he before he essentially moves into a legacy role. Okay, that's interesting. You know what I mean? Like that that Shazam book has been in the works for five years. 
you know, and yeah. and the and the three jokers thing was just a thing that he teased with Rebirth that was always going to happen in some form. Yeah, you know, I th- I've done a total one eighty on Johns's role over the last week or so. Okay, well, I'm I'm not saying you're wrong either because I don't really know what to think. I could easily see a world where he's disillusioned by what's happening with movies and television, and wants to get his his fingers back in the pie at DC where where he had success like unequivocal success where nobody really thought that what he was doing was like total garbage in the way that people talk about the movies and the TV shows sometimes I don't know yes <laughs> I I yeah I agree um I don't know I I I want to see what this looks like. I I hope it happens, but it it will happen. I believe I don't I don't think there's room for Johns to be a, a front runner anymore necessarily. There's too many DCs running into like early like late aughts early whatever we're going to call the decade that we're in now, Marvel issues, um, where, you know, they're, they're getting into the, uh, what do they call it, the architects yeah. type thing, where they just have too many big names. What if, what if Johns is DC's Claremont? <laughs> you know, I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah. 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 Um, I was talking to a friend of the show, uh, Matt Malikoff this week, publisher of Multiversity Comics, and uh, he was saying that he's really impressed with, like, when you look at, let's say January of this year, and you look at the biggest DC books, all of them, o- almost to a T, all of them have a superstar writer on them. You know, Bendis, King, Tomasi, um. DeConnick, Morrison, Snyder. Snyder, like there's, they're all like they're. He said Josh Williamson is like the the smallest star of the bunch, even though he might be at this point like the best writer of the bunch. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it is really an incredible ta- writing talent that they have assembled over there. And uh, yeah, I don't know unless unless Johns is content to do what he sort of did early on, which was to take characters that weren't big stars and make them big stars again. And I, th- I think that's still a role for Johns at DC. It's just that the characters he wants to write may not be the characters that DC wants him to write. Sure. Right. Which I think I did see somewhere, and I may be mistaken, but I, I thought he said that of the major characters that he's focusing on in Killing Zone, like none of them are characters he's written before. Yeah, I believe that's correct. Which is that's really exciting. Yeah. I'm still really curious to see how Doomsday Clock is going to fit into all of this. Oh boy. Next week, my boys. Next week. We we may have a special guest for that episode too. Ah, might have Doomsday Clock Defender Greg Matasevich on the show. <laughs> uh, uh, actually, Doomsday Clock is good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. 
A couple more comics notes. Uh, Scott Snyder and Jock are doing the Batman Who Laughs miniseries. Oh, oh. Ooh, another book Zach's not going to read. Yeah. No, I will read that. I'll read that. Uh, that's not what you said before Brian came on. Oh no! Oh, so now I see what's happening. I think I think I was Uh still referring to the other. Maybe you were. I I will read this. Yes, I think you said something to the effect of "I don't want to read this." See, I would rather read the Sylvester book than read this. I think. Really? Mm. Yeah, Mm. I think so. Well, okay, then let's make a deal. I will read this book, and you can read the Sylvester book. (laughs) That's not a deal. That's it a, has all the makings yeah, of a deal. No, it doesn't. A deal has us doing something we don't want to do. And so, like, this well, neither is... of us want to do either of these things, no, and but, we're going to save the the other half the trouble. That's like you saying, "Let's have let's make a deal. Let's both have breakfast tomorrow." Like that's of course no, 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 sir. That's like no. That's it's like... let's both have shit for breakfast tomorrow. <laughs> but it, but the. The variety is uh, one that is more appealing to the other. You just said that you would rather read the Sylvester book, so I'm giving it to you. You can I mean, have it. <laughs> I would rather have a lion eat my foot than ha- than have a lion eat my head, but I'm not going to let a lion eat my foot. All right. Like, well, I'll uh, I, one of us has to do the other, so I'll let the lion eat your foot, and then the lion can eat my head. It's fine. Let's make a deal. And then I'll be king of the podcast. <laughs> Oh, well, you know, there's only one other body part left, Vince. The dick? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We are children. God damn. Okay. That remi- I gotta tell you guys a joke off off air. By the way, <laughs> just, that reminds me. So don't let me forget. All right, we'll be there in just a minute. Uh, we're gonna take a break in a second. But first, we're gonna talk about Peter Tomasi and Doug Monkey on Detective Comics, starting in uh, December, leading up to the thousandth issue in March. This is an age-old, dirty old rich uh, prediction, too. Yes. Yes. I have a I have a question about this, but first I want to ask you guys if you're if this sounds like a good idea to you, Tomasi and Monkey on this book. Um, I'm a fan of Monkey in certain types of books or certain characters. I'm not sure I'm a big Monkey Batman street level Batman type. I don't. I don't know how that. I don't know how that's going to sit with me. I'm willing to give it a shot though, because I do think he's talented. I like when he's allowed to like draw gross things and get weird. <laughs> and I feel like that's not going to happen as much with this book. But who knows? I'm just projecting there. Um, I like Tomasi as a writer. I think he's a fine choice for this. I think he's a fine choice to take it to a thousand if that's what he's doing. Do Do you think that he's so so, what issue will that would that be in December? Nine nine four. Nine nine four. So he's he's getting six, six issues, issues up to one thousand. Yeah. Do you do we think he's got an arc in mind that's going to end in one thousand, or or are we going to get a one thousand that's more like actions? I think he goes beyond one thousand. That, that was my question. Is I don't think he's going to go beyond one thousand. You don't like to me. This team seems like a very safe choice. 
Like, all right, you know, we have to get Detective to a thousand. We don't want to bring in somebody yet to be the next, like, you know, the next architect of tech. So let's um, let's give it to Tomasi, who we can trust to uh, to get the story there. He can do some fun stuff. He's not going to break any continuity. He's not going to be hard to work with. And Monkey probably can't do more than four or six issues uninterrupted because of his because of the time it takes him to do a book. Well, yeah, he won't. I mean, he he won't. He won't do all these issues. So this is enough of a uh, enough of of an opportunity to give Tomasi something nice to do without, like you know, I don't think they would have given this to him if it was nine eighty, nor mm-hmm. if it was a thousand. I think this is just like the right amount of of Tomasi for this book. Yeah, do you think do you think a one thousand will have like a Bendis esque? Yes. Pay to introduce the next writer. Yeah, and I, I have a real hot take on it that I don't think is real. But I was trying to think about this this morning of like, all right, well, who would, who could DC get that would be as shocking as Bendis, and that I would want to potentially read their work. And mm. Vince is going to hate this answer. I think. Oh Christ! I think Matt Fraction. Oh, I don't hate that. You hate sex criminals, though, because you hate Fraction. Yeah, I hate sex criminals, but I like a great deal of Matt Fraction's work. Oh, okay. I I thought you were anti-Fraction in general. No. Oh, okay. No, I just don't like that book rubs me the wrong way. Is it it too much to hope for a Fraction? Uh Aha. Detective Comics. Oh, oh, my own. (laughs) Zach. Zach, you. Because I just feel like, you know... They're gonna need to bring on a huge name, and I, I, I think Bendis has more than a year of Superman stories in him, and I can't see him doing Superman and Batman. Uh-huh. He's already doing Batman in, in the Walmart books. Um, no, yeah, they're they're not gonna give they're not gonna do Detective One Thousand and give it to Bendis. I don't think that that's you know what I think though. What uh, my choice is gonna be a little bit safer, but uh, I think it's gonna be Rucka. I could see that. You know, I, I actually heard that Jonathan Hickman was going to write it, and it's going to star Superboy Prime. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, you're a little scamp tonight. You are. You Wouldn't are. Wouldn't that be so great, though? Like, Detective Superboy Prime trying to figure out what's wrong with the DCU. <laughs> that would. DC's not that adventurous, though. They're not. Uh, the, the re- actually... The reason I was saying Fraction, though, was because, first of all, because of Hawkeye, right? So we, we know he can do the sort of street-level hero pretty well. But also, it's it's a big name. It's one of Bendis' pals. And it seems like it would be the ultimate fuck you to Marvel. Yeah. I I like it. That's a weird choice, but I like it. Because there was rumor he was going to do what was it? Jimmy Olsen. No. Oh, yeah. Was it okay? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Actually, it's going to be Ethan Van Skyver, and it's going to go. It's going to go. He's going to write and draw, and it's going to go really old school detective, and it's going to be Slam Bradley starring in exclusively racist <laughs> stories. Oh. Racism is back now. Um. And it's bad again. Slam Bradley totally sounds like a porn name from the 70s. <laughs> or a racist comic character from the 30s. Yeah. 
here's here's a big question do along that line vince like do we think that it's going to be a batman centric book moving yeah, forward that's an interesting question um i can tell you that that so i've read like the first 80 to 90 issues of detective now and the mainstays in those issues are uh slam bradley Batman as of number 27, of course. And then somewhere around 40 or 50, Boy Commando comes in. And so you've got Simon and Kirby there. And then there's other heroes that you've seen almost never. I mean, Slam Bradley's been gone for a long time, but he pops up once in a while. You know? Does he? He popped up in New Superman. He popped up, I believe he popped up, popped up in some pre-Flashpoint thing i think right i can't remember yeah wasn't he in grounded could be could be um but like i'm talking about like airwave nobody's seen airwave for do you even know what airwave is you know um and then there's even airwave yeah then there's crimson avenger crimson avenger sometimes pops up i think morrison used him once um and then there's just a bunch of like shitty old detective stories with like names. They're just people's names. They're just like regular names. They're not heroes or anything. Um, you know, it's like Mike Ham, not Mike Hammer, but like Mike Hammer, Private Eye. You know, shit like that. So I don't. If you're asking me if they're really gonna harken back that much and pull from that stuff, I think at best you might get a Slam Bradley story. You might get. I don't envision them doing Boy Commandos because Boy Commandos became its like own thing. And Kirby's not really... When you think Detective Comics, you don't really think Kirby. But I think it's going to be mostly... I think it's going to be pretty much Batman. A celebration of Batman. Um, I, would not be surpri- I would not be surprised to see a Batman and Slam Bradley story. But they would both be in the same little story, I would think. I bet that'll be in a thousand. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Rucka. If Rucka comes back, if Rucka was on this, I could see it being a question thing. Sure. Oh, yeah, because I believe later on, I don't know this for sure because I'm not like a historian or anything until I've read these, but I think there is like a healthy run of the question later in Detective. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't, yeah. I just, uh, not that DC can't have two big Batman books, but. Because they did all during the time that Snyder was doing Batman. Um, uh-huh. I just, it's just been interesting that Detective in Rebirth thus far has been Batman and Friends. Mm-hmm. And if it's Rucka, I think that that's more likely than also. Yeah, you know, get Batwoman in question as, as co-leads, especially with the rumored Batwoman show in development at the CW. Mm-hmm. So, all right, I think that just about does it for the San Diego News. Uh, an hour and a half into our show. Christ, wow. Um, any closing San Diego thoughts? Uh, if it if it weren't for the the Star Wars news, DC would have won San Diego. <laughs> Agreed. 
All right, we'll take a break. We'll be back to fly through these books in just a second. <laughs> Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. All right, we are back with our very, very fast reviews. We're going to talk about three books uh, in a little bit more depth in a minute, but we're going to fly through the rest with our old favorite, Pull Pirate or Pulp. So let's start with Batwoman number, uh, what is this, 17, written by Marguerite Bennett, illustrated by Fernando Blanco. Boys, Pull Pirate or Pulp? Pirate. Pull. This is one of my favorite issues so far. This was a very good issue, but I don't know if it's moved beyond pirate for me. Uh, Fernando Blanco's art is pretty good, though. All right. Always uh, very good. Yeah. Cave Carson is a, as an interstellar eye, number five, written by John Rivera, illustrated by Michael Avon Oming. Zach, you just go go first for I'll all go of first these. For, okay. Man. Relative, I, I don't. I'm so checked out of this book at this point. Like, there's one issue issue left. This is my least favorite young animal book, but I, it's still good. So, pirate. I'd say pirate. I like. I don't really care about the Star Adam stuff with the the musician. I I love that the podcast stuff is dovetailing into the book now. So, pirate. Uh, this is right on the verge of pull for me, but it's probably still a pirate. Unlike Zach, this is probably my favorite of the uh, Young Animal books at this point still. I was thinking that we should maybe do a Young Animal uh, ranking once it's all over in the style of our top tens. Sure. That works. All right. Damage number seven, written by Robert Venditti, illustrated by both uh, Diogenes Nevis and Tom Derenick. Uh, Pulp. 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 Green Lanterns, number 51, written by Jan Durgens, illustrated by... I'm sorry, Dan Jurgens. Where, <laughs> where did I come up with that Jan Durgens nonsense? Um, and this was illustrated by Mike Perkins. Um, Zach. Pulp. Vince. Pirate, but it's pretty close to a pulp. I'm pulping this all day long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah this is not good. Damn, you, you pulp that harder than damage. Yeah. Uh, Harley Quinn, number 46, written by Sam Humphreys, illustrated by John Timms. Guys, you're going to hate me so much, but I'm going to say pull on this. <laughs> Ooh. I like this. So I went back and read, you might remember that the last time we talked about it, I said I just didn't read it. I kind of skimmed it. I went back and read it because you guys both liked it a lot. And a lot's I'm gonna a strong s- word. I liked it. 
Okay, all right, fine. Um, Mr. Pedantic ass. Well, you okay. Know, you know that's who um, I am, so stop. <laughs> so, uh, so, um, I read it, and I read this, and I think it's a strong pirate. But the one thing I want to say, I don't want to take up too much time here, but the one thing I want to say is that I wish Harley Quinn, as a rule, because I feel like this came from the Palmiati and Connor stuff, I wish writers didn't feel like they needed to pack Harley Quinn with so many words. Every writer that comes onto Harley Quinn, just so much dialogue, so much narration. There's, It's so much. I feel like everybody feels like they have to write in that style, and I, I, I wish somebody would do a little bit of a different take in that way. But I like the content of the issue quite a bit, so pirate. It's pirate for me. I like this one substantially less than the last one. Okay, and that might just be because I have a, I have like a twenty-eight page Harley Quinn threshold, <laughs> so twenty-two came in nicely under it, and then the beginning of this was fine. And I got sick of it halfway through, so. All right, um, New Challengers, number three, written by Scott Snyder and uh, Aaron Gillespie, illustrated by the equally talented Andy Kubert and V. Ken Marion. <laughs> Zach? Oh, you. Such a, who's the scamp now? Yeah. Uh, pirate. Pirate. It's coming down from the high highs that were issue one was this is a pirate it's a damn near pulp this was not nearly as good as the first two issues um yeah uh the brave and the bold number six written illustrated by liam sharp zach uh, uh, pir- pirate on the on the art alone but you know yeah, what has been said it's beautiful looking pulp yeah uh, I, i'm gonna pirate it for the art but I'm gonna pirate it with with software that takes out the word balloons. So I can just look at it. Yes. <laughs> Damn, you can do that. <laughs> I make the rules. Yeah. I'm already firing that one up in advance of the uh, Sylvester book. <laughs> I'm already. Oh, if there's no words, I I I'll read it. I'll read the pictures. <laughs> I'll read the <laughs> quote. I'll read the pictures. Unquote. Zach Wilkerson. <laughs> I didn't realize you guys were such cyberforce geeks that you love his art so much that you want to just get more of it. <laughs> it's not even that good. That's the point. Yeah. Uh, all right. All right. That's so the joke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just saw there's some there's some tweet a Twitter account that's called like Jokes Explained. Yeah. Just, that just explains your stupid jokes for you, and uh, that's um. That's, yeah, we need more of those for sure. Yeah, yep. That, that's Twitter in a nutshell, right there. So, um, Batman number 51, written by Tom King, illustrated by the great Lee Weeks. Um, I have a little bit to say about this, but I want to hear what you guys have to say first. Mm -hmm. Zach, you go first. Okay, okay. Um, I like this. I like this a lot. I don't have the most nuanced take on it, but the, the first thing I thought was, like, this is, like... Bruce's kill Batman moment, which made me think of kill Jay-Z. And then I worked out this analogy where <laughs> this era of Batman is 444 and Joel Jones Catwoman is lemonade. And wow. that's where I'm at now. I feel like Brian and I shouldn't even talk after that. 
That's uh God damn, Zach. Did you put that on Twitter? No. If if not, why not? Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't you're, know. You're hiding your beautiful flame <laughs> under a bushel basket. Yeah. That's amazing. I want you to go there and do that right now. Get on Twitter right now. Type that up. Okay, Post okay. it. I'm gonna retweet it to my one ninety five followers. <laughs> We're gonna get some hearts going here. So Vince, what um, you think? I love this. I loved it. Um, I I'm not even gonna nitpick it because I'm sure you could. Oh, I will. Oh, I'd love to see you try. I I this was great to me. The okay, the one thing that was uh to me was when he ripped the toilet out of the bathroom and threw it across the. That was the one thing where I'm like, come come on, Tom, what are you what are you doing? That is Bruce Wayne as Tony Soprano, if I've ever seen it. Yeah, it's yeah. Well, maybe now I like it. You just you just sold it to me, you beautiful bastard. Um, I I like this a lot. I loved it because because here's the thing. To me, so much of Tom King's run has been Batman is a psycho who's not subtle at all and can't get over his hang-ups at all. And he rips toilets out of walls. Now, just wait. Just wait. Because I'm not saying that this issue is subtle. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. okay? What I'm saying is, like, in these other comics, he's this screaming id. And the only time, the only time, which I'm consistent about saying this, the only time that he lightens up and has a sense of humor about himself, even about the darkness, is when he's around Selena. And those are the tom king issues that really work for me and this even though it's divorced from selena uh not literally divorced they never got married but um but what i'm saying is like even though selena is not a part of this there is to me reading this somewhere in there is a wink and it's it's that the whole time you know that it's going to end with Bruce being the only one to vote not guilty. He's Paulie Shore in jury duty. Like <laughs> and, <laughs> That's the dumbest and smartest thing you've ever said. Oh, thanks. Uh, and next issue, he's going to be son-in-law. And we'll just see what Biodome is going to happen. Encino Man. You know, yeah. Yep, in the yep. army now. But and what I'm, I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, like this is comic booky in the way that I accept. What Tom King was writing in the first fifty issues was a psycho Batman that I hated, and I hated reading him for the most part. But in this, it's like there's a wink, there's like a comic book wink saying, like, "Ooh, Bruce is in this impossible situation where he has to be in jury duty." And, of course, it's somebody that he's run into as Batman in Mr. Freeze. And, of course, in the end, he's going to reveal that he's the only one that believes Mr. Freeze is innocent. It's all so, so melodrama, so soap opera, so comic booky. It comes around, and the only part that is self-serious is when he throws the, the toilet, I think. And that didn't work for me. But everything okay, else I, is... Go ahead, finish up. Well, all I was going to say is everything else is just so comic booky in the right way for me. And it's Lee Weeks coming in and doing just terrific work. I I really ate this up against all odds. So, Take a look Brian, at you, now. You, you tell me. <laughs> God damn it. You tell me why I'm wrong. 
All right, you're wrong because half the issue does exactly what you said it doesn't do. Any, like, flashback to Batman and Mr. Freeze is that psycho Batman again. And there's this weird disconnect where if this was a different writer's run, if this was a fill-in arc that wasn't Tom King and it wasn't and there weren't those images of him beating the shit out of Mr. Freeze and whatever, then I agree with everything you say. Lee Weeks does God's work in this issue and everything looks beautiful and I like the idea of Bruce being, you know, with with the not guilty vote. I think all that is fine. But Batman is Batman is is like vicious in a way we never really see him against Freeze here. And somebody says like, oh, it's because he lost Selena, and that's why, you know. Um, but to me, he's so over the top, screaming rage Batman in all the flashback stuff that it doesn't work. That that's the same guy who's in jury duty. Well, this it's the come down now, though. See, see, here's the thing. Uh, again, everything you just said is probably true from a certain point of view. Uh, to quote a famous Jedi, um, to paraphrase, Jedi. to paraphrase your favorite Jedi. Um, but the thing is, is that like, so earlier in Tom King's Batman, he posited in interviews that Batman maybe can't, still can't get over the death of his parents, really? and to me. And, right. And to me, to have Batman be a psycho because he's still hung up on his parents' death, to me, that that felt totally false. And then to see the jo- the War of Jokes and Riddles, where Batman like allows a bunch of people to die, and where it's revealed that essentially Batman killed somebody, if not for a medical miracle, that they survived, that's completely false to me. In this comic... In the immediate wake of losing Selena in this way, just the immediacy of it, I can buy the Batman that we see, and I can buy contrasted with the come down for Bruce in jury duty, reconciling with the monster that he knows he's become against Freeze. If there was any indication in King's writing before this issue that Bruce had this part of it part of it in him i'd agree mm-hmm. with you this part sure. comes so far out of left field it makes no sense to me that's that's fair i think i i bought it but i get what you're saying yes okay i listened that... to about half of that because i was trying to make a good tweet and it requires some <laughs> concentration um i think i side more i i i read vince's interpretation a bit more um, I, I think because so, so the way I read this was I, I read it in either two ways. One, yes, like Bruce, Bruce just snapped. He lost it uh, in the aftermath of the of the wedding, lack thereof, and just went and beat up on Mr. Freeze. And then he felt remorse for it. Um, and now he's trying to save um freeze from being you know unduly prosecuted um the other thing that i think is more interesting is that this is like a subconscious effort to sabotage batman because 
he's essentially going if if this goes the way it he seems to want it to he's going to undermine batman Mm. see as you i didn't even take it that far as you were saying that zach when you said it's one of two things i thought the second thing you were going to say is well maybe we're seeing the beating from freeze's perspective and that's how he saw Batman, and that's not really how Batman was acting. You know, that's that was his interpretation of it, and mm-hmm. that could be more interesting too. I still just think that this is, I think King is skipping all the stuff that would make this make sense to me. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I actually, I just really, I, I lean more to like my second theory. I don't necessarily believe at all that that's what's going to happen, but like, I do love this idea of like. Bruce is so messed up because of everything that's happened to him that he kind of manufactures this situation, perhaps even like unwittingly to make Batman sort of self-destruct since that's the thing that lost, you know, that caused Selena to leave him. Ooh, that's really good. That's really good, Zach. I think that's smarter than what we're going to get, but... Yeah. That's I I like that. That's the second best idea you've posited tonight after that Jay Z. Uh, <laughs> and, and it all stuff. came from Tom King Batman, you know? Like yeah. <laughs> Maybe Tom King is your muse for <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so wait, if Batman is Jay Z's four forty four and Catwoman is Beyonce's lemonade uh, who was Kanye in the situation? Oh, the freaking Joker! Come on, <laughs> I was setting you up for it. Thank you for taking that. All right. <laughs> and and Sylvester's book is going to be Watch the Throne. There. We go. Oh gosh. All right. Oh. Let's talk about Justice League number four, written by Scott Snyder, illustrated by Jorge Jimenez. We got a lot of Still Force stuff, a lot of Ultraviolet Lantern stuff. Um. We get uh, we get Batman saying out loud, but Luther is not a villain anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sweet, stupid Bruce. Yeah. Oh What'd man. What do you guys think of this? <sighs> this is the best. This is big, dumb comic booking in the best possible way. This is the first comic that I I feel like has a first DC Cape comic that I felt like has had stakes that I actually feel invested in. Yeah. This is so like big and crazy and over the top and melodramatic, but like in the best way. And there's so many tendrils like, yeah. Every page seems to have some tendril that could go off in some other direction and possibly will, you know? It's it's insane how good this is. I feel like I'm just going to be say, repeating the same things I've said in previous installments, but man, and and how beautiful is it when John walks up and sees the, the, the uh keep the keep, yeah, yeah the, that that design and the way it's executed is so fucking good. God. This book's incredible. <laughs> this this story 
in almost any other hands would be incomprehensible. <laughs> there, there are so it almost ma- is the it, way it is. Yeah, but Snyder manages to tether it to reality, reality, comic reality, just tether it to something solid, and it becomes really fun and really freewheeling and enjoyable. But this is this is on the edge of the cliff in terms of just being so far over the top. But man, do I love it! the The slow build it it's not it's not it's not even really slow, but it reminded me of like the end of a Christopher Nolan movie. <laughs> You know what I mean? Where he's like walking you through these scenes where there's this increasing buildup of just what's going to happen, what's going to happen, what's the prestige here? Yeah, the the dang prestige. Yeah. The dang prestige. Like, that's what this <laughs> felt like. The dang prestige. Wow. Uh, You're not wrong. Yeah, no, that's perfect, Zach. This is, it's... oh gosh, it's just so good. I, I also I, I'm gonna slightly contradict what we just said though. I'm I love what's happening here. I do hope that this book doesn't keep trying to escalate things higher and higher because eventually there can be no place else to go. They're, yeah. they're already pretty pretty high up the stakes chain. You need a baseball issue once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. All right, let's close this out by talking about The Wild Storm, number 15, written by Warren Ellis, illustrated by John Davis Hunt, who continues to do disgusting things so beautifully. Oh, man. Yeah. What a talent. When they're showing, uh, uh, what's his name, Jack Hawksmore getting, like, (sighs) torn apart by those machines. Good God. I almost puked. I felt some of that. Yeah. (laughs) I felt oh. that foot thing. Uh. <laughs> oh man, the foot thing. Um, this I'm not super familiar with uh, Jack Hawksmore's origin in the original Wild uh, Wildstorm comics, but this explanation that he kind of intuits upon for like why he was remade is like so terrifying and and but also like great i if this is like a um not like a retcon but like a reimagining it's really good yeah yeah i i love the jack hawksmore stuff in this Mm -hmm. issue um i also really enjoyed the um i always forgot the guy's name sam elliott the mustache guy (laughs) yeah john lynch john lynch I, I enjoyed his scene in the bar a lot, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that character was introduced a couple issues too late. I wish we were seeing, being, been seeing more of him throughout the uh, series because it seems like it's a slow build to him sort of coming crashing into these two giant forces. I think it happened too late in the series, but I thought that scene was very well handled, too. Um, mm-hmm. o- overall, this book is still not what I expected it to be. And not what I would have wanted it to be if I had been designing it myself, but I'm so glad this is the book we're getting. That's you, 
Yes. Go ahead, Zach. Oh, I well, I just saw this. I know. Did you guys notice in the scene where the the other guy who's who's possessed by a one of the, one of those alien things when he he kills the guy at the gas station he makes one of those arrow grave markers out of the um, the gas pumps and the and the mop. Oh yeah, I didn't even notice that. It's like small I. small details like that are just so so good. Yeah, damn. I mean, it's right there. I just didn't think anything of it. Wow. That's awesome. Zach, you're the MVP. Yep. No, no I don't read are. any of the books. I don't read any of the books. I'm the worst. <laughs> that, that's um, what makes you better, because you have more <laughs> you have more brain space to devote to the good shit. Um, oh, man. Like that crystal bomb thing? Yeah, oh, that was great. The, the little stick? The, the little stick. stick yeah. The little stick. Um, Brian, to your point... I think that's really smart what you said about um, this isn't the Wildstorm book that I would have imagined or wanted. And, yeah, that's true because, like, the the way that he's building this from the ground up is pretty different in style and, and execution and, in some ways, the story of the original sort of versions of these characters – and that's how smart Ellis is because I don't think anybody would decide to tell this story as like a harrowing vision of our uh, not so benevolent tech overlords kind of waging a, a de facto war against one another somewhat stealthily. Well, they co-opt like the bodies of real human beings. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there, this is such a subtle way to unfold all of this in a way that like is a is a a weirdly realistic vision of our future while also being completely bonkers and insane. Which is just to me like totally different from what the Wildstorm was, while still resembling it in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's really, it's quite, it's, I'm ready to say that this is quite the visionary comic, actually. Um, I'm really still fascinated to see what this line is going to look like in six months, because you've got Michael Cray ending in October, and that we're at issue 15 here, and this is a 24-issue story. So, is, you know... Ellis had said that one of the books is going to drastically change at the two-year mark. I think this is the book that will have to be because it'll be the only book running at the two-year mark. But I wonder what's next for this this line. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I, I still wonder if when Wildstorm ends at issue 24, this story is not over. Like, it... When he said one book becomes another book, maybe he meant at the end of 24 issues of yeah. The Wild Star. I'm down for whatever. I, I hope it's still the plan. I hope he gets to see it out. This is so good. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. Well, folks, that does it for this massive installment of the DC3 cast. Thank you for listening, as always. Please follow us on Twitter so we can continue to have these dumbass conversations with you over uh, a different form of interneting. Uh, I am at Brian Needs a Nap. 
Matt LCD underscore Lound system. And I'm at Wilker Fox. And uh, should we tease next week? We gotta. Next week's a big one, boys. Yeah. Vince has already read the issues because Vince is uh, Vince is ahead of his a psychopath. Uh... No, you're he's the best. He's the best boy. Yeah. No, no, no. Got Action Comics number one thousand and one. Mm-hmm. We've got DC Beach Blanket Bad Guys Summer Special. <laughs> oh God. We got Doomsday Clock. We got Justice League Dark. We got uh, what else? Um, the Flash fifty one. Uh, a Steve Orlando Wonder Woman oh, yeah. arc starting. Yeah, yeah. Last issue of Mira. The um, soon to be featured on the CW's Arrow, the Silencer. Yep. Really? Um, yep. Oh, I did not see that. What's surely the start of an underwhelming Teen Titans run based on the yep. special? The penultimate issue of Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. Mm-hmm. And the penultimate issue of uh, Mother Panic. Yep. And somehow Batman Beyond still. Yep. Uh, is it too much for me to say that the... Can I tease that DC Beach Blanket Bad Guys has one of the darkest stories I've probably ever read in a DC comic? <laughs> if that's not a reason to tune in, I don't know what is. <laughs> so, enjoy it, folks. But that's what it is. Stroke Society.